can't be failing on my side you're not talking about the the quality of the podcast or the direction of the podcast you're talking about the technical aspect yes that's what i'm exactly oh i was so offended and now i feel so much better i don't but and by the way just uh let me know when we start recording we, we've already uh, recorded. Uh, of, course. Not, of, of course of course we have care you told me you didn't care <laughs> i haven't i haven't had fucking Take. If we go back 39 seconds, you said, I don't care if you press record. People don't want to know how the, uh, the sauce is made. I didn't say I'd use it. Matter of fact, to prove to you I'm not going to use it, let's finish our conversation. This is what I want to take responsibility for, and it's being recorded. You can take responsibility for what you want to take responsibility for. I go somewhere, and I don't always do the I'm quiet because I'm thinking thing. I just Go and I expect you to follow me. Oh, I'm not following. And you. that's a lot to ask. There's nothing to follow yet. I'm giving you clear instructions. I feel like I've been asking a lot of you to say, "Here I go, pews, dance with me." So now what's coming to me is maybe we ought to go to the notes. Yeah, I could start. I got uh, George Carlin. Now I don't know what that's attached to anymore. Okay, this is for the third friend listener. We had this idea to talk about PTSD, which I'll do in a minute. Dave, and jump in. I can always edit. Uh, we had the idea to talk about PTSD since I talk about being trauma-informed and since I do seminars on PTSD. I don't want anyone to think we're making fun of the situation. It was one of our concerns, making the podcast. And after we said we were going to do that, we did a podcast that I'm going through. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but it turned into things where we experienced extreme stress. And I think it might end up pairing well with this. So do you want me to talk very briefly about PTSD before we go into the notes? Or do you want to just read the first note out and I can think about it? How do we do this? I think it's time to go to the notes because I don't want you to spend a lot of time editing and trying to work things together. I think we should be tight and, and just go to the notes. Okay, Talk so about what I P said, may I make a suggestion? Yeah, and I'm, I'm walking you downstairs. On Johnny, they would do this thing with, he would backwards read a, 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 a soothsayer, a mind reader. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, the, the great Karnak. The great Karnak. So I just, loved it. Re, so read the fucking note, and we will discuss it. You just read <laughs> Read the note. Yes. And discuss. Go. I got the note. Ready? Number one, George Carlin. Okay. So, <laughs> what George Carlin said is brilliant, and and I think, like George Carlin was not a comedian who made me laugh, especially at the end of his life. He got really cynical. Oh, it, he was terrible. Like I, he had a special. I was so excited to watch it, and it was just fuck. He would say, fuck this, and fuck this, and fuck that. And it was, I sat there like, where's the funny? He just seemed angry. He got really angry. and Yeah, it, it was almost like, and fuck this, fuck that. And, and you fans, fuck you too. Like, 
it was he didn't I don't know if he said that, but it was like, Jesus, he's just fucking everybody. Now tell me something. Is cursing on that list? Did you write down something about swearing? Swearing inside the actor's studio. You did write down something about swearing? Yeah, inside. So uh, come back to that because you just said a lot of F words. So this is gonna work out great. Okay, so I agree with you. George Carlin just went down a bitter path, but he was brilliant when he was younger. Uh, he would he would point out these idiosyncrasies of the English language, these quirks. I think he was making fun of complexity and bureaucracy. But he said in World War I, they had a trauma that they diagnosed as shell shock, two syllables. And then by World War II, it was, it was battle fatigue, four syllables. And by Vietnam, it had become post-traumatic stress disorder. It's still shell shock. And the reason I wanted to say that is because that's what PTSD is. You're shell-shocked. Like in, in my family, there, was, there were multiple people who would yell unprovoked and call people names at the top of their lungs and not apologize, and no one would talk about it. And it was like a bomb had gone off in the room. It, I was shell-shocked. And from the looks of everybody who was sitting around me, so was everybody else. And nobody ever discussed it. So when that shell shock crystallizes, people form perspectives. Because we all have to sort of like comfort ourselves and talk to ourselves in a moment when we're less than rational when we're kids. You know, we're, we're trying to be our own parents and we're not equipped to be our own parents when we're kids. So it makes it difficult. And the easiest way to explain PTSD... It, it has to do with the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And there's this confidence interval that they run in. And when too much happens, when it's overload on the system, you go past that confidence interval, it's like the speakers get blown on a stereo system. We all know what that's like. At a low volume, usually, you can still hear some music. It's okay. But above a certain volume, there's crackles. There's distortions. There's effects. That is, and, and I've told this to, uh, to a doctor, and he said, that is a brilliant analogy. It's my analogy. That's what it is to have PTSD. It, it, makes, it makes me think about my reaction when I watch the lions. My reaction is to turn it off and, and start doing other things, start doing work around my house, start doing yard work. And what is that? That's flight, right? That's flight. That's, that's exactly what it is. You say that when you watch the, the game, you watch it detached. You're, you're just sort of, you're not really feeling. It, thanks for asking. I'm sitting there. But you're not really. I'm not fully. The, I used to be, I, there are times in my life I've, that I've been not there at all. I'm sitting there. A movie camera would show me being there. Doesn't mean I'm there. Interesting. I'm detached. Yeah. I can't even watch. I, I run away. I'm, I'm like out in the yard. I'm running away from it. You're running away. Now, uh, uh, there are a lot of different ways that it can affect people. There was a girl when I was in third grade. She said when her father died, she felt herself leaving her body and she never went back in. There's all these different ways it can affect us. Wait a sec. When she watched her father die, she, she felt like she left her body? She left her body. When her father was dead, it was just too much for her. Her speakers blew. Interesting. It was I, when my, I, you know, I had been sitting with my mom. She was in hospice. 
uh, I was sitting with her all day. Finally, it was it was really late at night, and uh, I left the hospital. And then early in the morning, I, I got a call, and they said that um, my mom, she had died. I was dreading Marshall going to that hospital. I got to her floor, walked in. They had they shut the door, and I walked into their room, and I was relieved. And what I mean by that was she was gone and it was evident it was evident like that was not what i was looking at was not my mom that that body that i saw it was not her and i hope you don't take this the wrong way i felt no sadness really like there was i was like oh she's gone this shell that's here lying in this bed is not my mom it was never my mom I realized that we are not our bodies. And I looked at her, I was like, oh, mom, I'm so happy. You're not there anymore. It was so clear she wasn't there anymore. I go, you, you did it. I think I said it out loud. I was the only one there. But I was like, oh, you did it. I'm so happy. And I sat next to her smiling the whole time. So uh, this next thing that I wrote down, I wrote down inside the actor studio. They're swearing in the name of the podcast. Right, That's yeah. Why. You do it, because you remembered. I had a conversation with you. I, I love the name of our podcast. And just as I always do, I start thinking, overthinking, thinking too much. And I thought about the name Shit to Grit has a swear word in it. And I may be overthinking, is that going to hinder our podcast using a swear word in it. And how are people going to relate to that? I just don't know. And, and I was having second thoughts. I was hoping that you could talk me through it. Inside the Actors Studio was on Bravo, which before yeah. the Real Housewives of New Jersey was actually a, a, an erudite kind of a cable channel. <laughs> yes. You remember that? Yeah. Yes, it was, Marshall. Yes. Yeah, they would show opera and cool, and just like intelligence stuff. It was like a, It was like a PBS with commercials. And then... Then a PBS show with the yes, uh, yeah. So so this guy who I guess was a teacher. His name was James Lipton. I'm not looking anything up. James Lipton. He would ask whatever actor was the star of that week or the guest star. What's your favorite swear word? Now, David, take it away. So he would ask um, actors and actresses, "What is your favorite swear word?" And what I found interesting was the men were fairly benign. It was like it was asshole or or shit or something even more benign than that. But the women was always, well, I don't know what the word was because they would bleep it. And that was kind of the fun of it. But the, the actresses, it was always long. It was usually a long beep because it was multiple words and multiple... I don't, I don't know, but sometimes you could, they would, they would even have to put something over the mouth because you could, you would be able to tell what they were saying by the shape of their mouth. But I just thought it was funny that the women were always seemed dirtier than the men, the words that they used. What was the word that women frequently said? It, it was, you know, or it was like, 
really long words. Yeah, I remember the same thing. I think this may be why I wanted to say it. For some people, it might be jarring to hear swearing in a podcast. If I go back, when you started to describe George Carlin, unconsciously, which I love because you're disappearing into this conversation, which is our goal, so we can do this and have fun, I think you said maybe 17 fucks in a row. I simply want to say this about swearing. We swear because we swear on our phone calls. I have so much respect as a writer, as a person who admires the English, English language. Well, that's why I did that George Carlin thing with shell shock and PTSD. The word fuck. Watch this. I'm just going to give you a sentence before I break it down. You find me another word in the English language that you can use this many times in this many ways and make a coherent sentence. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. (laughs) It can be a verb. It can be an adjective. It can be an adverb. It can be a noun. It is a monumentally utilitarian word. Now, whether or not it's offensive is in the ears and the psyches of the listener. But whether or not it is versatile is indisputable. Do you remember why we... um... Yeah, because we wanted to let people know. Some people are going to get shocked by swearing. I think we wanted to just let people know. Yeah. yeah. So so we we went through... George Carlin, we went... Oh, so yes, CeeLo Green. Is it CeeLo Green on that list? That's the next thing I was going to talk about. CeeLo Green had a decent song. What was the name of the song that I'm referencing, David? It was, uh, Fuck You. I I don't know if that's the title. Forget You or Fuck You? I think it was... You bring up a good point. There you go. Have you heard the version that goes Forget You? Yeah, they, they, it's it's like radio-friendly or whatever. If you had to play one right now, which one would you play? Oh, I'd do the, the, the more adult version. Why? It just it has the, the power that I wanted to have, you know? Everyone knows that feeling of, like, seeing their ex-girlfriend with someone else, and you're just like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. And like I tell my son... When you drop a hammer on your toe, darn doesn't release quite enough energy. They have to say something bigger to keep their life force energy. Those, those swear words are boom. It's a quick shot of B12, as George Costanza would say. Fuck, and you jump into action. It's almost a way to like counteract that freezing that happens in PTSD. The fawning, the instant desire to please someone. There's a lot of things that can happen as a reaction. But when you swear like that, it it snaps you back into life. Does that make sense? Yes. The people who are going to tune in, our target market, as we would call it when we work together, it's people who are bitter. Like my friend Elliot, I won't say his last name, but he like he stopped watching him. He rooted for uh, a team out west. I think it appeals to the anger and hurt inside people. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, totally. How many times have you said, fuck those guys, you know, in some way, shape, or form? My, my thought was, like, what if someone 
wants to refer to our podcast and maybe they don't like swearing or what s2g baby <laughs> i saw a commercial which ran either a week or only once it was for forgotten harvest have you ever heard of that charity yeah i've, I've um volunteered there late 80s i think it was and the commercial shows a disheveled teenager walking through the streets and the voiceover says if I said the word fuck, you'd listen to me. If I said I was hungry, you wouldn't. I'm fucking hungry. Wow, powerful. And they pulled that. People complained, complained. So people aren't going to like that we have a swear word. They're not. No. Some people aren't going to like it. I like the feeling I get from the earthy shit, the hurt that people have been through to grit we're gonna do this thing we're gonna actually turn this thing around yeah man you can you feel that the name of our podcast should be on a billboard somewhere if there's a team that deserves to say from shit to grit it's the detroit lions i want people to know when i use the word shit the lions have never been shit to me i never look at them that way I just felt hurt, hurt, hurt to the point where I didn't want to get hurt anymore. And I, I shut them out of my heart. And now I let them back in slowly, slowly. I'm doing my best. It's hard. You know, I'm working on that with my mom. And I told her those exact words. I said, I'm unguarding myself toward you because we've talked about this stuff, the ways that she used to talk to me, that she no longer talks to me. And I respect her for that. I said, I don't ever want you to think I don't love you. I'm unguarding my heart toward you. And that's what I'm going through with the Lions. It's parallel. They never were shit to me. I've never stopped loving these guys. I stopped caring about them, but I never stopped loving them. I think there's a massive difference. Well, you said, I never thought they were shit. You must have been following them in some way because you... You started watching them again. So you must have been following it. Even though you said, I, I stopped watching, I stopped caring. You bring up an interesting point. Whenever I hear somebody talk negatively about an old relationship in a way that, like, like you would associate with calling the lion shit, I always think to myself, well, that person has hurt that's manifesting as anger, but hurt that they haven't worked through. As a friend, I respect that you always say when you're talking about an ex, hey, this is just my perspective. I respect that you do that. There's never just one perspective. There's two sides, you know. So I always want to tell people when I'm telling my story, remember, I'm telling my side of the story. And I, I'm not a perfect person by any means. I realized why the NFL came down so hard on Jameson Williams for gambling. I thought of it because I read an article that there were rumors now that a fifth lion is being investigated. Oh my God. It's like an onion. The more you peel, the more it stinks. My reaction to this whole scandal is like, is anger because I'm sure that the lions in their rookie meetings have gone over and over things that you should do and things you can't do. So the fact that these, these players get busted for gambling 
I have very little sympathy for. Because I'm sure when a team invests millions of dollars in the players, they want to protect their investment, they're going to tell them what you can and what you cannot do. It's simple. So Right. And they're rules, and you have to learn them, and you have to follow them. But you don't it, understand them necessarily. You just but have it's to not, follow them. It, it ain't hard. It's not hard. When someone says, hey, you can't go to the uh, 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 Motor City Casino and put money down on a football game. You can't do it. Okay. So now I want to respond, and I want to say – I'm getting angry. Just re- you're, you're getting angry because they didn't follow the rules. The rules that they didn't understand, but they were supposed to follow. And I don't disagree. Wait, with you. wait a second, Marshall. Wait a second. They, do all, they understand the rule? Do, how many times have they're you all said, college? They're they're all maybe not all of them are graduates, but they all attended. They get it. This is what they've been working for their whole lives, Marshall. This is what they wanted their whole lives. And now they're finally there. And the guy, the GM or whoever does it says, you can't do this and you can't do that. So don't do that. And they didn't listen, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. So mad. I'm so mad. And you're mad. And I understand. Now, how are you going to get me to go to the other way? No, I just want to talk to you about this because part of this is the, is, is the, is the coaching part. I always explain things to my son. And I'm not taking credit for this. I'm I'm taking credit for the fact that the three of us, he and my wife and myself, have co-created a very emotionally, physically, mentally, psychologically safe house. This kid's three grades ahead in informational learning. I explain everything to him. Here's what I would have said if I ran the communications department of the NFL. I would say to these young men, no gambling on the premises of the NFL. And here's why. Because gambling is so nationwide now with casinos in all these cities, and now online gambling is legal. If we have even a whiff that we are taking bribes, that we're throwing games, that the outcome on any given Sunday is being affected by the betting that's going on inside the NFL, we're ruined. Our whole sport is over, which almost happened to the NBA. That's what they should have said. Now everybody knows, take it seriously. You will destroy the NFL. Would they have listened? Let me tell you something, Marshall. (laughs) Wow, I, I've got so much to say. Do you think for one second, you know, whoever ran that meeting didn't say, you are not allowed to do this in the most in the most basic terms. If you're caught doing this, you're going to be suspended or maybe even out of the league. Right. Like, but it's the rules without an explanation, David. Let me give you an example. Wait a second. Wait a second. Do you know the... Do you have the transcript from what they said in the beginning no. of the season? I, okay, my guess is they just say they never said we. Here's the reason why there are millions of dollars. Like, okay, maybe, maybe I, I'm so I'm so triggered. These guys, many of them, come from nothing. I shouldn't say nothing, but not wealthy families. They've got these contracts to play NFL football. They've changed everything in their lives, everything for their families. All that can go away if you're caught gambling. All of that. That's not that hard to follow. 
Don't gamble in any way, shape, or form. All right, right. And I say they didn't do it like that. I how, don't how do you think? Okay, let, let's listen to work. me. Listen, no, you're allowed no, you to do to it me. off the. Because I agree with you. I agree with you. Listen to me. Just hear me out. They did not. They said you can gamble if you leave the premises, and they shouldn't have. They should have done it like they should have done it like Sandra Bullock in Bird Box. Did you ever watch that movie? No. You can't look at these certain things, or, or you get sort of taken over by the rapture. She's got two little kids, and they're floating down the thing. She puts a blanket over, and she says, do not pull down this blanket. If you do, you will die. Do not open your eyes for any reason. If you do, you will die. If you say a rule and you let it be known like that, like you said it, now they listen. I say they did not do that. How do you think they did it? Tell me, as long as we're playing this game, what do you think they said to them? Well, the rules are you are allowed to gamble not on the NFL. Stop. You think that when they had these rookies in, they said, hey, everyone, you're allowed to gamble, but just not on the premises. That's Yep. You are not allowed to gamble on NFL premises. You are not allowed to gamble on football, NFL football at all. But off the premises, you can gamble. That's the rule. And it shouldn't be. I would ban gambling from these guys. Yeah, yeah, I would I would ban it altogether. And I would do a scare tactic, like scared straight, where I would have a, a former player come in and shut the doors, have all the other coaches leave, and then say, talk like one of them and say, you can't do it. They say that you can gamble, but you can't. You know why? They have technologies where they can track you. You're always being tracked. And talk about what you lost by doing something stupid. I just, the hubris. Let's do it like this. I'll deliver it to you two different ways. You are a new player in the locker room. Okay, I'm new. I'm excited to be, I'm excited. I made it to the NFL. And you've got your notebook with you. Today's a notebook day. Yes. And we're going through the rules policy. I, dude. And you're watching a PowerPoint. I got a million plus contract. Everyone in my family's excited. Go ahead. And you're watching a PowerPoint I'm a on the rules. Now, notice what you keep saying over and over, all the money. <laughs> you're not listening. You're not watching the PowerPoint presentation. You're dazzled by the pinstripes. You're dazzled by the pinstripes, as Christopher Walken said in Catch Me If You Can. You're thinking about the contract, and they're saying, uh, on slide 46 of the rules chapter, comes the gambling section there was no gambling on you're not paying attention no i I think if they say now let me turn off the slide presentation at this point click i'm going to speak to you about a very serious offense and i'm going to tell you why it's a serious offense and i want to make sure that you understand you will jeopardize your career you will jeopardize your career if you don't follow yeah i want to hear yours too so you heard item A. Item A is just reading the rules. You heard that drone voice, right? Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is item B. I've turned off the presentation. Do not make a mistake right now. Just like as football players, you did everything you needed to do to get here. 
Do what you need to do to stay here. This is what you need to do. Do not gamble on NFL premises. Period. Ever. In any way. Ever. Ever. Or this dream that you just got may end like that. You think they said it like that? No, 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 no. That's, and that's, that's their mistake. That's compelling. Wow. Wow. And if that's just the rules, what I would have done is soften it. Hey, I'm going to turn off this presentation. I got to talk to you about something very serious. It could jeopardize your career. I want to explain why. Because I'm not just doing the rules. I'm not just doing Sandra Bullock. You cannot gamble on NFL premises, and I want you to understand why. And this is what makes our offensive coordinator, this makes him so good. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So this is a serious thing, and this is why. Gambling is worldwide now. It would be easy for any of you to get affiliated with a gambling organization and take a bribe and try to throw a game. And that will destroy the NFL. You will destroy the sport. You've worked so hard. You love so much. Do not gamble. If you do, severe penalties will come down. But I now want you to understand why. This is what makes the offensive coordinator for the Lions so good. One of the things he said about Jared Goff was, I like to explain to him why I call the plays I call. So when he's out there executing my offense, he's never wondering why that's the same way i raised my son and that's the same way they should have delivered the rules changes or sorry not the, the not the rules changes the gambling rules so that the players follow it yeah i think that's a great i think it it was powerful what you just said i think also adding the why is is important and i'm sure they did positive they did but here's what i would do here's what how i would do it uh, I would uh, start talking, they would be listening, and I would slam a book down or a loud noise, and hopefully they would jump, and I would get their attention and go, you cannot gamble on football. You cannot, and I would, I would just keep saying it over, you, you would be suspended, and your, your football career will end. I, I believe those guys have to be, it has to be shock at all. They have to they have to be startled to get it into their heads. Someone dropped the ball somewhere explaining these rules. I'm so angry. If you open your eyes for any reason whatsoever, you will die. There are times when that communication must be used. That yeah. kind of communication. The communication that says, you better hear what I'm saying right now. You yeah. better hear me. Yes. I don't believe they communicated it like that. Well, that's, that's interesting. Anger is always there for a reason. Sometimes it's there to heal and release. Sometimes it's there to warn you. Anger is necessary. And sometimes when it's in a communication, if the communication is still said with respect for the other person, it makes that communication heard with a sense of urgency. And when you hear it with urgency, you process it differently. You know, I remember my teacher was saying, he was talking about the rules of his room. And he said, don't do this. And do not lean out the window because some joker could go like this. And it was, he flipped it and boom. And now your head's rolling out there. And he made a joke. But 
man, that boom just shocked everybody. And that takes us back to the PTSD part. Wait, wait a second. Before you go, I have a similar story. Oh, my goodness. I was in school. I think I was in the fifth grade. And I had never had a male teacher up to this point. And this guy walked in. It was our first day of school and getting introduced to the teacher and everything. He walked in. People were loud and talking. And he just sat at his desk, right? He didn't say anything. And people, no one got quiet. Everyone kept talking, talking, talking. He got up, grabbed one of the chairs that has the desk, sort of like the writing portion attached to the chair, like in, in the old days. And he picked up the chair and he slammed it on the floor. And when he slammed it on the floor, the top of the desk broke. And we, it just shocked us. We were just scared to death. And from that point on, no one talked out loud in that classroom. Now, 25 years, I don't know how long it was. I'm a part of the Read Out Loud program. Everyone gets assigned to a school. And the school I got assigned to was my old grade school. And I went to the classroom where I was supposed to go, and it was the same teacher. I said, I was a student of yours. I'll never forget you. The first day, you picked up the chair and you slammed it on the floor, and the top of the desk broke. And he said to me, I've thought about that over and over again in my head. That was not the way I wanted it to happen. It was an old desk, and it broke. And I never meant to scare you guys. I just meant to get your attention. I never meant to make you afraid of me. Isn't that interesting? It's it's all about those meanings and perceptions that we make up. It's like that story I told you. Did you it's write exactly down that movie? Like this, it's exactly like the story. I just thought about it. He didn't remember me at all. It was it was it was too long. He had too many kids. But he goes. He remembered that moment. He, he said, "I regret that. That's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to scare you guys." Ah, I get chills just thinking about it. It's so so funny. You were logical about how you explained it to the lions, and my way was to shock them. But I don't know if that's the right way, Marshall. I think maybe your way was the right way. I think explaining is the right way. Yeah, I think it's explaining it's the right way. But you brought it all the way around to perspectives. The movie is called The Damned United. It's by the screenplay writer, and I can't Peter something. I, he wrote The Queen. He wrote Frost Nixon. He wrote that. Oh, the other Boleyn girl, a couple more. And here's the story. This is amazing. True story about a guy. He gets hired to coach this small soccer team. Let's say Brisbane. I'm making up this name even. And it's in the league or, or the semi-league as Manchester United, the damned United of the title. And as he's going in for this game against Manchester United, where he knows he's going to get his butt kicked, there's the coach of Manchester United, the Pat Riley type coach. Uh, what's the guy that used to wear the hat for Dallas? Landry? What's it? Land- no. Tom Landry, right. The, very, okay. the dignified, the coach. Uh, right now it would be Pete Carroll for Seattle, the person that looks like the, the coach. And that person's surrounded by reporters talking. So this person, this other coach from Brisbane, puts out his hand and the guy looks at him and looks back. Well, the first guy takes great offense that he ignored the handshake. So this guy lets it fuel his career. He ends up 
being a great coach himself. And I think after this guy retires, he takes over the Manchester United. He makes them the winners. He's now become the legendary coach. And the coach, other coaches, the coach emeritus. And they're on a talk show. And now it's the end of the movie. And the talk show host says, to what do you attribute, like, what drove you in your career to this younger coach? And he says, oh, I'll tell you. I, I, I know absolutely. It was June 19th, 1977. You didn't shake my hand. And the coach emeritus, the coach that used to be the coach of Manchester United, says, excuse me? June 19th, 1977. I stuck my hand out to you. It was a match, Brisbane, and you didn't shake my hand. I, 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 I didn't see you. We were, I didn't agree with something you said, and it kind of upset me. And then you told me what you had actually, I had misheard you. I thought you said one thing, but you had actually said, a, said another. And we were like, wow, I, all of that, and I just misheard you. I was like, I don't like when you said this. And you're like, said what? And I go, you said this. And you said, no. I want to end by tying that story to your story, which is the PTSD of the lions and the PTSD of people. It was never about you. In whatever way I was mistreated, you were mistreated, David. Anybody who's listening was mistreated. It was not about you. It was about the issues for the other person. You said about dropping that, what was it, the desk. It was an old desk. He didn't mean for it to happen like that. No. The shock still happens. The Lions have not meant to do it to us for decades. They did. But they didn't do it on purpose. They did it because they were poorly run. Other people did it because they were in pain or confusion or hurt or anger of their own. doesn't mean anyone needs to change the way they feel about any, forgive anybody, nothing. It just means that what happened is what happened. Despite what you heard be swearing, I don't swear a lot. I don't swear in front of my kid. And when I work, I don't swear. I'm very careful about how I come off. I feel like bleeping can be as funny or funnier than the swear words. Often funnier. If, if there's a rhythm to the bleeping, it can be hilarious. Have you ever seen uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Unnecessary unnecessary bleeping or whatever. It's a great bit where he takes people who are not swearing, politicians who are not swearing at all. <laughs> he just bleeps. He, put, he puts the bleep in where you think that they're swearing. And I told that, I told that, that you should like, and it's, it's called unne- unnecessary bleeping or something like that. It's so funny. Oh, that's a funny idea, man. Look it up. It's it's hilarious. It was always my favorite bit on his show. Well, I if you ask me whose show is the most like Letterman's, who in my opinion was the successor to Johnny. Johnny to me was where there was a, some kind of cool party happening. I was too young to know what was going on. You know, uh, will your parents have their friends over and they, they send you to bed, but you kind of want to sit on the steps and listen to them. That's you know? exact. And I used to do that when I was a kid. Listen to them talk. And then they would, they would have uh, cocktails. And then as the night got later, uh, I could hear my mom say, anyone want coffee? Which I never understood why they would treat coffee. But now I do because they, they're, they're trying to sober up and stay awake. 
I would sneak out of my room and crawl down the hall and look through the shutters. A cool party. Because my my mom and dad, who, like I said, I didn't like the way they treated me, and my mom and I have forged a absolutely respectful relationship now, but they loved each other. So I would sneak out and I would look, I'd look through the shutters and they were laughing with Johnny Carson, just like smashing their shoulders into each other on the couch. Sort of like you and your dad with the bumping of the legs, yes. but they were smashing their shoulders and it was just so much fun to watch them. And you could tell there was a party there. There's just someone running around on the stage, kind of like making some sort of funny gestures or doing some crazy dances and everybody was hooting it up. And it just looked cool. It looked cool. So the party aspect of that, the the kind of cool cocktail party, that went to Letterman. It's not Leno. Leno was like very no. middle America. Yeah, no the, no. the cool party was Letterman. And Letterman, in my opinion, perfected the cool party. Yep. He was the master of the cool party. Yes. So if you ask me, I like Stephen Colbert. I like him a lot. I think he's got a really nice show. I don't think it's where the party went. Who else we got right now? Um, the guy that used to be the head writer on SNL, um, who's hosting David Letterman's show now. Colbert. No, no, no. Colbert is Johnny's show, right? Johnny's show is Johnny's He's a Tonight show. show. Johnny's show is Fallon. Fallon is Johnny's show. Oh, you're right. Hold on, I'm looking. But who are you talking about? The guy who used to do the news on Saturday Night Live? Seth Myers, yes. Seth Myers, did you say he might be the place where the party went? Yes. That's a good pick. I don't stay up and watch him. He's got that Letterman vibe, too. And you, you, you know, like, why aren't there any women doing it? Why are they all men? That, you bring up a good point. I was never a Joan Rivers fan. Me But either. that's the only one I can remember. I think Chelsea Handler, I think she would have been a good late-night host because... She just seems like she doesn't really like anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like David Letterman never seemed like he really liked his guests. He just tolerated them. You're right. You're right. Yeah, just not being in their guest pocket. Fallon is my least favorite. Like he that, just He's my least favorite. I like as a person I like him, but he he fawns too much. Yes, yes. I, I don't feel relaxed watching him. I feel all No, up. no. David wanted to cut out something because he felt like he gave someone trust and they betrayed his trust. I want to give him the opposite experience. I want to reprogram his memory, just like we want to reprogram these people's memories about the Lions by getting them on board to watch the Super Bowl winning Chiefs face these guys. That's how we do this, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I want it in. It's It's gone. And no one will ever know what we're talking about. And that is to honor you. And I hope you have the exact opposite experience they gave you. All right? And that, and that when you hear this in the podcast, you'll be like, oh, I see what Marshall is trying to do. That's cool. Okay. All right, I love you. Love you, too. Bye. Ah. Open up your mind. Open up your mind. Open up, 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 open up